Hey friends, welcome to the Thrive Like a Parent podcast. You know those parents who look like they've got it all together? Yep, that's not me. I'm Dr. Brooke Weinstein, mom, widow, and neuroscience expert on all things sensory and emotional regulation. Yep, that's right. I'm here to get down and dirty on the truth behind parenting, education, burnout, neuroscience, widowhood, and the shit show we call life. So come join me for conversations with thought leaders, doctors, and women just like you who aren't afraid to speak the truth and help you find that silver lining between the to-do lists, shit shows, and chaos of parenthood. If you are craving the answers to finally find that sweet spot between chaos and calm, pull up a seat and listen in as I take you from burnt out and surviving to finally thriving. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Thrive Like a Parent podcast. I am so excited to talk to you today about how to get our kids to listen and why they don't listen. I actually see this as a two-part kind of conversation. There's the type of listening where we ask our kids to go put their shoes on before running out the door to make it to school on time. And then there's the other type of listening of when, let's say, they're tantruming or melting down and Within that storm, we're trying to get them basically to stop crying and listen in of why they can't have another piece of candy or whatever the heck it is. Yeah. And we get frustrated when they're not listening in either department. Okay. Like there's tons of other different ways that our children don't listen. Maybe we tell them not to go to the party and they do, and then it gets raided by police. I am not in that situation yet, but let's hope that doesn't happen to me because that won't be a fun phone call if I have to wake up from that. Anyway, What I want to dive deep with you today is to understand not just how to get your kids to listen, but the reason why, right? Like why they're not listening. Because I know it makes you want to pull your hair out. I know it makes you want to literally run, run away and be like, I'm done. I can't anymore. There's no point. I've said this 15,000 times. Perfect example. I can't tell you the amount of times I've told my children, your fingers are not for picking right? I can't tell you the amount of times that I've asked my children to please make sure the poop goes in the damn toilet. There's one hole. There's one. I I don't really understand how it could get on the side and on the toilet paper roll and on the ground next to it. And then, I don't know, on the shower curtain next to it. Like, it's just, right? You feel me? Okay. So I'm there with you. The biggest piece that I want to help you understand today is two different things. Number one is it's not really about our children listening. It's more about compliance, okay? Understanding where their brains are at when we're asking them to do something. And I'm going to give you a few tips and tricks and tools of how to help with that compliance, okay? So let's go to the tantrum, the meltdown, all the different things where you're just like, you're not understanding, like you're not listening. You've got to stop asking the question or you've got to stop crying so that you can hear my response of why I'm not buying you the $60 toy today, right? And I will not ever tell you to tell your children to stop crying. Crying is one of the healthiest forms of regulation. The last time you did it, how'd you feel afterwards? I'm sure you felt damn good, right? Yes, children, adults, everyone has tantrums and everyone has meltdowns and everyone cries, I know some less than others, some force themselves not to cry or have pushed it away or all the different things. Maybe you regulate differently. I sure as hell enjoy a good cry, okay? So rule of thumb, 
rule of thumb is less compliance, less words. If your child's talking a mile a minute and like, and you're like, I understand it, and you're trying to talk over them and you're trying to keep going and trying to explain it, that's going to do nothing except for expend a lot of energy on your part. And I need you to have as much energy as possible because this gig we all signed up for isn't so easy. And my number one goal is to help you feel as regulated as possible, have as much emotional energy as possible. So the bickering back and forth, even with your partner, like it's not, don't do it, shut it down, walk away, like do what you need to do in order to save that energy. So let's say your child's having a complete blown meltdown, like kicking, screaming on the floor in the middle of Target, okay? I don't want you to go into full-blown sweat mode and like talking them off the ledge and, and, and explaining to them why they can't get the toy. Just stay silent. Like less compliance, less words. That means that their brain is more offline or that they need to get something out. And you trying to win the battle is not going to win you the war. It's just not. So less compliance, less words. That is not the time to explain to them how the world works and how money doesn't grow on trees. And it's just not. Yeah, focus on the issue at hand. Focus on the logic brain, black and white. The other aspect of this is when you do need to say certain things within that, yeah, within the whatever's going on, simple, right? Less words. You know, I would say that if you heard someone in public look at their child and say, get up or get out or I need you to move or something as abrupt as that, you would look and be like, oh, like she's, she's, mm, Dr. B's in a bad mood. Yeah. You have to think these kids are kids. They're not grown adults where they can understand why you're asking them to move out of the way so that other people can get through, you know, the aisle at the grocery with their huge ass basket. You know, eye contact. Charlie, I need you to move. Yeah. It is okay to be as logic brained and blunt as need be. That does not mean you're a mean, rude mommy or daddy. It just simply means that you're using brief, concise words to get the job done and handle the task at play. Yeah. Don't be ashamed to use those very specific words, right? The I need statements. I, I feel sad. I, right? We, I, 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 I. I don't want you to look at your kid and be like, you need to move right now because you're in the way. No, Eli, I need you to get out, right? Get out. So perfect example of get out is this summer, Charlie was hanging on the pool ladder, right? To like get in and out. And Eli is younger, so he's not as strong of a swimmer. And Charlie, I tried the first few ways like, hey, Charlie, I need you, I need you to scoot over. Eli's coming. Hey, Charlie. Hey, Charlie. I need you to move. I don't even said, no, if I said, I need you. I think I just said, Charlie, move, right? And so he needed to understand it as logically as possible because maybe his brain wasn't fully tuned in all the way, okay? So that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm just being a bitch. That means the constant words, it's not working. So I just need to be concise to the point and get the job done so that my other kiddo can get to the wall and climb out before he can't doggy paddle anymore. Yeah. 
when your children are online, more compliance equals more words. That is when you can do all the mushy-gushy emotional stuff after the tantrum, after the meltdown, after the blow up at Target. Yeah, maybe on the ride home with the deep pressure of the seatbelt and after they're, after they're crying, like when they're back online, that is when you can have more conversations with them. Hey, buddy, how'd that feel? Yeah, I know. Yeah, that was really hard. Thank you so much for sharing, right? That was really hard for mommy too. I could tell you really wanted that toy. It's okay to want that toy. I totally understand. Yeah, that looked like a really fun toy. Well, let me, let me tell you about that toy right? Money doesn't grow. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to go in the money doesn't grow on trees conversation. But like, that's when you can sit down and have a beautiful, connective conversation. I love you. I know that was so hard for you, right? There's compliance there. Their brain is online. So the thought of you getting through to make the point is going to go so much better, so much more smooth. If you wait until that connective moment is back online, I know you want to handle that. I know you want to get that done. I know you want to do that right away. It's not fun to drag this stuff out. Oftentimes, I'll handle situations in real time, logic brain, all day long, right? And then when we get to our bed at night and my kiddos are in their bed, right? Laying down is a most restful state your body can get to for rest and digest, yeah? So their brains and bodies will get back more back online when they're in their beds, okay, at night. That's why I love having conversations with my kids at night to kind of recap the day. It's a beautiful connective time of the day for us. And I let, let's say I'd go back to the target. Hey buddy, how how was that for you? That was yeah, that was hard, huh? Oh gosh, that was oh, that was hard for mommy too. Mommy needed a breather like big time, right? That's when we have the connective conversation. That's when. Yeah. Now if if bedtime is a shitstorm, We'll get to that. I promise you I'm going to help you out with that full conversation of the schedule and the this and the that to help make sure that you can have those connective conversations, that you have, that you're online enough to have those conversations. Same thing applies, right? When you feel like you're snappy or when you feel like you're burnt out or dysregulated or all the different things, it's not the time for you to have long, drawn-out conversations with your partner, with your children, with anything. Keep it simple, right? Like if you feel like you're struggling, Stay silent. Just ride the wave. Make it until you get over the hump in order to then discuss and have the conversation. Now, the next type of how do I get my kid to listen, right? I need you to put your jacket on. I don't want to put a jacket on. Well, it's 30 degrees outside, but I don't want a jacket. Hey, buddy, time to put your shoes on. Let's go. Five minutes later, what are you, what are you doing grooming the dog? Like I asked you to put your shoes on. We're now late for school, right? That kind of listening. Or don't touch that. Yep, that's hot. Don't touch that. Oh, oh, no. Ah! Well, I kind of told you not to touch that, right? That kind of listening. The kind that just makes you want to pull your hair out because you're like, I don't understand. I've said this 15 times, right? The don't put your finger in your nose, right? I can't tell you how many times throughout my lineage of parenthood, I have told my children, your shirts are not napkins, they're not napkins. Yeah. So the reason that it's difficult, and again, this does go back to compliance, is we're asking them to trade out something that's either easier or more fun to do for something that's a little bit harder, maybe more time consuming, or is less fun, 
right, to do. So if you got a booger, like if if you got an itch to scratch, it's kind of hard to teach a child to hold off. Just, Just wait a minute. I know we're in the car, but you got nothing else to do with your hands, but just hold off till we get home and we can get you a Kleenex. That's hard to teach our children, right? It's hard to teach our kids how to proprioceptively reach back with toilet paper and not smear it on our hands and then smear it on the toilet paper roll or anywhere out. Like it's, this is hard work. And first and foremost, I want to validate that for you because I fully understand too. I'm giving you real life examples. Yeah. Real life examples of things that happen in my own home. I got to tell you, I'm kind of tired of telling my kids over and over that the napkin is what we use rather than our shirts. Yeah. So when those things arrive, I always say that awareness is half the battle. If you understand why it's hard for them, then we can kind of click in and be like, okay, like I get it. Yeah. Got it. I'm asking them to do something that's harder. I'm asking them to do something that takes a little bit longer. I'm asking them to switch or maybe rewire or or shift patterning in their brain. If they're used to like smearing their hands in a, in a high chair and like dropping food on the ground and all over the place when they're infants, those patterns start from infancy. I know it's like, no, but their brain's not fully online. I can't help it. They're still building and creating patterns in their brain. Yeah. So if you're going to ask your children to do something, without a doubt, I need eye contact. Without a doubt. Hey, Eli, if he's looking over there and like all around the room and he's like, "Uh uh-huh. I'm like, nope. Hey, bud, come see. Take your time. Slow down. Kneel down. Get on eye level. Have that connective moment of it's time to go to school. I need you to put your shoes on. While you put your shoes on, mommy is going to go get in the car and I will see you there. Okay? Okay, mommy. All right. What are you going to do? Right? The next step besides eye contact is repeat it back. Okay, buddy. What's your next step? What are you going to do? Now, as you're listening to this, you're probably like, uh... Yo, Dr. B, ain't nobody got time for that. Like, I don't have time to crouch down, eye contact, repeat it back to me. I get it. Full-blown get it. Why do you think I'm in this situation with the napkin and the boogers, right? Like, I get it. There's only so much effort and time we can put in in the day. But I constantly tell you this. I want you to remind yourself I'm doing this now so I don't have to do it later. The hard work within these crucial years of our children's first upbringing, right? Probably to the age of about 10. These are the most crucial years to create long lasting patterns in their brain. If you teach them before the age of 10 to clear their plate, put it in the dishwasher and do X, Y, Z, think of what they'll do as a 30 year old. I'm talking about me now. Think of what they'll do as a 30 year old man, you know, my children in their own apartment one day. I want my children to know how to do things on their own. It's the independence. And that's why we're teaching them that. You know, if my children are going on dates and picking their nose and wiping their hands on their shirt, that's probably not a great look. It's like, I love them. Like I I will love them no matter if they still shart all over the place and pick their nose. Like I will, like I, I will. And come on, like they're pretty young. So like, let's give them a break. But I also know that you're so ready to be done with these things. I know that more than anyone because I don't have a partner to reiterate these things. I don't have someone teaching some values and me doing others. I don't have a reinforcer. I don't have a boundary keeper of a parenting style that we're both going at this together. Some days I can show up to the party 
Some days I can't. And when I can't show up, I give myself full blown grace to say, all right, you can pick your nose for today, but I'll, 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 I'll tackle that tomorrow. Yeah. Now, if you ever meet my kids or you know my kids, they're not full blown. Like they don't keep their fingers in their nose 24 seven. This is for the, you know, example factor here, right? That my, my, my toilets are clean. My kids' hands are clean. Like we're good. We're good. Yeah. But I'm just saying examples of what in my own home along the way have been struggles. Now, the other thing too is that besides the eye contact and having them repeat it back, I need, I need you to praise, right? I need you to praise them. Wow, Charlie, thank you so much for putting your clothes in the hamper. My kids love taking a shower in my shower. Love it. I have this like ginormous shower. I could probably fit like three dogs and 15 humans. I don't know why. That's how it was built. My kids love it, okay? They used to drop their clothes on the floor in my bathroom. And it's like, love you. More than happy to allow you to shower my shower. Like I could care less. But we're not leaving this behind for mommy to pick up. So I need to teach you where to put the dirty clothes, right? So, hey, hey guys, I see there's clothes on the floor. When you get out, first step is I need you to take a towel, dry off, grab your clothes, and where do they go? In the dirty hamper. Yes, right? I have them repeat back what I need them to do. Do you understand? Or, okay, mommy, or right? What are the steps I need you to take? I'll have them pause in the shower and I'll put my head in the shower and they'll be like, you want us to put our clothes in the dirty hamper? Yes. Thank you so much. And then I can use that as a tool later that night when we have our connective conversation of, I'm so proud of you. That is so helpful to mommy. Mommy has so much to do on her own. That is so helpful to me when you, when you listen and help mommy, right? We need to help teach our kids that this is hard right? Because the thing that comes out is our frustration when they don't listen. Our frustration when it's like, I don't understand. I've told you this 15,000 times, right? Like, why isn't it clicking? Yeah. They, they don't know why it's not clicking. They don't know. They can't tell you. But what that does do is it invokes shame of like, you're not good enough because you're not getting it on the first time. But if you slow down and you take the time to put in that effort, right, slowly over time, it will come. Slowly over time. Now, the examples I gave you are ones, yeah, that are are big for our house, but they no longer do those things because I've really worked with them on them. Yeah. I asked recently on Instagram, I said, what is your worst favorite place to go? Hands down, everyone joked and was like, public, like public with my kids. Like, that's the worst place to go. Well, a lot of you guys said a restaurant, Costco or grocery store, restaurant or things like that. So again, you know my phrase is, if you're going to show up to the party, do it. But for a long period of time, especially when the boys were younger, right? Jonathan passed at, Eli was four and Charlie was seven. And we we're in the midst of a divorce for a year and a a year. I don't remember exactly. I could calculate it, but all to say we were separated for a good while before that. And I did not have the capacity to bite off the whole enchilada. Like I didn't. And so at times 
I had a hierarchy of needs of like, what is coming next? Like, what, what do I need to work on? Or like, what's the thing that I have enough energy to work on now? And for a while, it was not sitting at a table and doing all the things to teach them how to go to a nice meal with me. So we did a lot of awesome meals that involved playgrounds where I could enjoy watching them. They could get their wiggles out. And it was enjoyable rather than me bitching at them the whole time to use their fork and their napkin and and sit straight and this and that. Like we need wins as parents. We need wins with our children. We need to be able to feel that connection and wow, that went really well. Even if that means they're taking a bite, running back and playing, taking a bite, running back and playing. Like we have to have beautiful, okay moments with them. Yeah. And so it's okay if you're not at the point where we need them to listen to everything, right? For the poop in the potty or the picking the nose or the t-shirt wiping hands. That was when I got to it, I got to it. And then once I chose to do that, it was game on. It was like, we are focusing on this. So then I would take them to restaurants. And I'll never forget the first time I had enough capacity to do it. It was on the weekend. I was like, there's no rush. There's no rush. We can do this. We're going to zone in. This is going to be the plan for the day. And I drummed it up. We're going to go to a fancy restaurant. Isn't that so exciting? And they got all excited. And I, I had to do a lot of cueing. I had to do a lot of conversations. I had to take the time, but I actually said, this is why we're here. I like made sure to tell myself, this is the reason I'm here is to help them understand this. I was putting in the work and doing it right now. So I don't have to do it later. And now, now going to fancy meals is one of our favorite things to do together. They get all dressed up. Eli puts his little, you know, sunglasses in his pocket and they wear button down shirts and jeans. And he puts on my mom's like gold chain that I have of my mom's and, you know, has to wear a hat. And and now he's drummed it up with he, he wants fancy boots. And now he has cardigans for the winter. It's like the cutest thing. And they'll come and want to like wet their hair. It's like so cute. But it didn't happen overnight. Yeah. I know you're exhausted. I know you just want to get your kids to listen. And sometimes, and I've said this before in other podcasts, I wish I could just tell you the X, Y, Z and yep, boop, that'll be done. Like you got it. They'll listen every time. I can't do that because it's not, it's not beneficial to you or me. That's not going to, that's not going to help. It's not going to work. I'm not a magician. But if you decide this is what I want, I want my children to be able to get themselves ready for school. I want them to be able to pack their own bags. I want them to be able to put their bags and stuff away at the end of the day. I want this. I want that. One thing at a time. Yeah? One thing at a time. My car used to look like a trash can, but I took the time when I had the capacity to say, nope, whatever came in needs to go out. You know, the kids will just, they'll bolt out. They'll go. Once you they can get out their own car seats or seatbelts, like they'll, they'll bolt. And you don't even recognize sometimes that that's the new case or that's the next thing you need to teach them until it's like, oh, shit, how did we get here? But if you take the time to slowly explain what's going on, that will lead to such a beautiful conversation rather than just, being pissed and bitching at them. I know you're tired. I know you're frustrated. I know you're exhausted. I know you just want your kids to get it. Like, why can't they get it, right? 
I get it. Like I, I want you to know I get it more than I can ever express to you. But I constantly remind myself my frustrations have nothing to do with them, right? They are young. They are learning. And it is up to us to help them understand. I think that we as parents don't actually recognize or realize how big of a gig this is. This isn't just like a side hustle. And I think and believe and feel, not just think, that is one of the reasons why we're all stretched so thin is because we say, yeah, I've got a job. Yeah, I've got a career. Yeah, I've got a partner. Great. Now let's add some kids. That's like a, oh, that's like a 24-7 job on top of another job on top of another job and another job and another job and another job. We don't recognize, parents as a whole don't recognize how big of a job this is. We think, well, they'll just get it. They see it. Well, like, duh, of course you need to put your bag away. Or like, yeah, of course you should, you know, push your little wee-wee down in the toilet so it doesn't go all over the place. These are things that we actually need to have conversations with our kids about, right? You think, take a shower, Okay, wash all your parts. What do you mean? Like what, huh? Hey, dude, why do you still have poop up your butt? They don't They don't know. Unless you physically teach them, this is how you wash your body. We have to wash our armpits because we get smelly. And we have to wash our private parts because we've got stuff coming out of them. We've got to wash in between our toes and our nose and our th- – like this takes time. It takes time and effort to explain – This is the reason why I don't want you taking your hands after eating food and wiping it all over your shirt, right? And we're teaching them values of life. We're teaching them understanding the value of respecting our property, respecting our time, respect, right? Like this takes time. It takes time. A lot of the questions I get so often, one of the big questions I get is the potty training of like, my child's three and a half, still pooping in its pants. My child's three and a half, still pooping in pants. Oh, poops everywhere. Oh, poop, 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 poop. They're three. Like, I promise you, they won't be walking down the aisle in a diaper. Yeah? They're three. So we have to not only understand and give them grace for where they're at, but we also have to understand that we are just frustrated and ready. Like, we're ready to get get back. Like, there's so much on our plate that we just want a little less. We just want them to understand how to wash themselves. We just want them to understand how to clean up after themselves. We just want them to understand how to clear their plate. We just want them to understand how to tie a shoe, button a shirt, and and be on their way, right? We're not ready for them to move out. They're not that on their way. We're craving these things. And that's why it goes back to why I start with parents is I need to help regulate you because if you're burnt out, Nine times out of 10, you're going to get frustrated and snap with your kids in the morning when you're needing them to put their shoes on. Yeah. If you're having a hard time with that morning routine, that could be a whole nother podcast. But if you are, talk to them at another time other than in that moment of like maybe that night before, right? When you're resting in bed, hey, this morning was really hard, huh? How about we try again tomorrow? right? So what I need is for you to not come downstairs until your teeth are brushed and your clothes are on. Cool? Yeah? Okay, cool. Then we'll get breakfast. Sounds great. And then you'll pack your bag or mommy will help you pack your bag. While mommy packs your bag, you'll put your shoes on and then we'll go off to school. Yeah? The next and final piece of advice is, and I kind of already said this, but 
know your limit, like know the compliance versus not compliance and know when it's okay to not walk away in terms of not support them, but know when you've done your job, know when you've done enough and either stay silent in the Target store, right? Or walk away in the house when they're melting down and just allow them to to move through it. Like know when you've done enough. And instead of getting frustrated at the compliance of your child, trust that you're doing enough. Trust that you're doing enough for today and allow yourself to know that you've got plenty of other days to do it. Our children aren't not listening just to piss us off. I mean, maybe sometimes if they're, you know, old enough, smart enough, wise enough, and they get it, right? Yeah. Perfect example. Charlie, excuse me, Eli asked this past weekend, we were at a rock climbing place, indoor rock climbing place. Mom, where's e- Charlie? Mom, where's Charlie? Mom, where'd Charlie go? He just kept asking and I couldn't tell him the response. Like I explained, I'm like, he's in the bathroom. Mom, like he, he wasn't even listening, right? So what does that require? Eye contact. And it also required a conversation. Hey, bud, mommy answered you. Did you hear that? No. Okay. Well, next time when you ask something, I want you to take a really big pause and see if you hear my answer. And if you don't, ask again, right? That extra step is the extra that we have to be able to muster up if we have the strength. But know when you've done enough, right? I said it once. I may have even said it twice. And then I was like, nope, I'm going to just wait. I'm going to wait until he comes all the way over here. Because he was asking the question while walking away and looking for Charlie at the same time. So know when you've done enough. Give yourself that and give yourself permission to be silent. Give yourself permission to just wait it out. Give yourself permission to just be like, yep, I'm done. I'm done for the moment. Less compliance, less words. I'm done. I'll sit here and it's okay. We'll get there. I'm ready to be done with all of this, but like we're going to get there. So I'll just give it a few seconds and then we'll try again. And most importantly, don't beat yourself up. I will say that till I'm blue in the face. Like don't beat yourself up if you don't show up to the party or if you get frustrated, right? Clearly the examples I gave you today of the poop and and the boogers and the wiping hands on shirts. I'm giving you those examples because that's areas that I've gotten frustrated in the past with because it was like pulling out my hair for a while to be like, I know you're boys, but like, oh. Is it really that different? I don't get it. Oh, but we made it through. And one of the coolest things about what I do with my clients and what they get to see is I love when I work with a client for an entire year. That's like my golden standard and my favorite because they get to track the entire year. So when they get all the way back around to the following summer, let's say, or the following Halloween or the following Christmas or whatever, a birthday party, right? They can see the fruits of their labor and be like, oh, gosh, this is so much different than last year. And then you have more and more and more and more and more trust that it will get easier if you just keep breathing and remind yourself that this is not easy and Rome wasn't built in a day. And it takes time and effort. Yeah? So, compliance. Rather than, they're not listening. Yeah? Be the observer. Take the data in, collect it, observe it, process it, and then respond. And keep breathing. (sighs) Keep breathing. You've got this. And until next time, 
XOXO, Dr. B.